Hey, Whiskey Ringers, welcome to a brand new intro. First off, there are still a few bottles of our barrel single barrel rye finished in Armagnac casks, picked in partnership with This Is My Bourbon podcast. Check out the show notes for links to purchase. Second, I am thrilled to announce that I've joined the Bar Cart Co-op. This group of podcasts and shows has a show or multiple for everyone. I'll talk more about them in the mid-roll. Finally, there are still two $25 spots available on Patreon. These are the last two spots that will ever be open on that tier, so if you've been putting it off, grab your spot today. There are also spots available at the $15 a month level if you want to support, but can't quite commit to that $25 tier just yet. There's a spot in supporting for everyone's budget, and I truly thank you all for making this podcast possible. Hey, Whiskey Ringers. Welcome to a new episode of the Whiskey Ring Podcast. Today, we are doing the first long-form interview for River Roots Barrel Company out of Cleveland, Ohio, and to talk about River Roots, about the uh, work involved and how they're picking their whiskeys, we have on Ryan Lentz. So Ryan, welcome on. Thanks, David. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So before we jump too far into the episode, let's say, what is your role at River Roots? Uh, yeah, I'm owner and founder of the uh, of the company, I guess. <laughs> My time would be uh, the CEO, so kind of making the um, operational kind of decisions direction forward for the company. Gotcha. And uh, this is uh, a newer company. This is brand new, really. Um, just a couple of months old. So let's start right. there. Let's start with uh, the launch. Yeah, yeah, the story. So yeah, we launched back in September, um, but really it took two to three years to, to get it started. Um, kind of to give a little history around it. Um, I have a friend uh, that's a brewer and has been brewing in the Cleveland area for 30 years. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, he borrowed a uh, barrel of Blanton's. I'm in. The, I'm part of the Cleveland Bourbon Club. So this this bourbon club that we're in just has 20 members, and every month we do blind tastings and stuff like that. But also we do all sorts of of barrel picks go across the country, Buffalo Trace, uh, various things. So we had a barrel of Blanton's, and I gave it to this my friend, a brewer that aged a stout in it for like a year and a half. So uh, a year and a half later, he gives me a couple of bottles of the stout and rolls his barrel in my backyard. And then we start drinking. We actually have drinking some of the things behind me here, just kind of messing around. He's like, hey, man, I got this investor that's interested in doing a brewery and a distillery. What do you think about um, that? And I was like, oh, man, you know, like craft distilling, you know, it's kind of difficult sourcing stuff. You know, I think that's kind of the way to go. And we started to talk about it. He's like, hey, why don't you? build up a business plan and uh, give it to the investor. So uh, I ended up doing the business plan. That investor didn't necessarily work out. However, um, like three or four months later, uh, a friend of mine in the Cleveland Bourbon Club that has connections to Michael Simon. So, so people that don't know who Michael Simon is, he's a celebrity chef on the Food Network, also uh, restaurateur, um, all over the country, but really he grew up and a lot of his restaurants are in Cleveland and he's definitely Cleveland famous um, for sure. So he was saying, hey, Simon are, is interested in getting into the bourbon industry. And I was just like, well, actually I have a business plan. Um, so, uh, you know, showed the business plan, talked about the model, 
and uh, got it approved. And over the last, I would say, two years from that, it was going through the state of Ohio and the TTB of, of getting everything up and running. Um, so maybe just the, and we launched in September with Michael Simon kicking it off on a stream. And we've been every week, every month, kind of the snowball effect of doubt right now, she's kind of building the brand awareness. Um, and maybe stepping back a little bit about like, what is the whole idea of River Roots? So um, we are a distillery. We will play around um, Tom Gray, one of the owners who is um, that uh, brewmaster that's been brewing 30 years. He is going to be our distiller as well. He's learned a lot of things from the from the beer industry, a lot of interesting things about the grains. And, and, and I told him to just go absolutely wild with that stuff and let's have fun. Right now we're playing with some rise and stuff like that. But actually, transparently, that's like, five or 10% of our business, um, 90 or 95% of the business is really just sourcing whiskey. And, um, and actually really not just even whiskey. Um, I'm looking into tequilas and, and rums as well. Um, I'd love arm. Um, I guess I'm a whiskey nerd, bourbon nerd. You know, I've started 10 years ago, um, kind of building up my palate. I had a maker's mark and a Elmer T. Lee. And I was like, wow, Elmer T. Lee is pretty good. And then I kind of went through the rabbit hole of, if you can see the the bottles behind me, about exploring Dusties and and you know Willets and Four Roses and all that type of jazz. Um, and then I you know I started to get even once I built that platform of bourbon, then I went to Rise. Then after Rise, I went to Rums. Then Rums, I went to Armiac. And it's just kind of been exploring the spirits um, from there, really. And with my exposure to the Cleveland Bourbon Club and, and friends uh, in Kentucky and the bourbon community, I've been on 50 or so barrel picks across the country. Um, so that was the kind of the idea is, you know, having a company that, yes, is doing a little bit of distilling, but really just trying to find the best barrels of spirits um, and bringing them in uh, to the company and offering offering them as single barrel selections. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the premise. Maybe I've, I've yapped a little bit more about that. Maybe you have some additional questions, but that's the premise of how we got started and the general idea of the company. That makes, makes total sense. And, uh, the, the Cleveland bourbon club is, is very, as I said, it's 20 members. It's, it's pretty exclusive. Um, I'm obviously not in Cleveland, so I can't even ask for how to get in, but, uh, the, idea of it is to explore these different spirits and um there's something to be said about a new whiskey company being started by someone who is a whiskey nerd mm. who loves as you said not just whiskeys but rums armagnacs uh, tequilas so uh, and it, you know it's an audio only podcast but i have to say there's an incredible selection behind them i picked out there's an old box of old crows up there that uh, the chessmans which are my favorites um and clearly having been on 50 barrel picks it's impressive. I mean, uh, with the whiskey ring just started our own barrel picks back in June with, you know, first one's coming out in September and uh, it's, it's fun. It is yeah. a fun thing to do, but uh, it also takes, takes some, uh, <laughs> takes a lot of effort. So I got to recognize that as, of course as well. For sure. Um, so uh, oh, yeah, good. Yeah. I, I'd say, yeah, no, for sure. And 
with the connections and the Cleveland Bourbon Club, just to kind of back up, it is only 20. And the reason why it's only 20 members and exclusive, we'd love to open it to more people, but it's mostly because the main focus of the club is just blind tastings. And part of the dues is procuring interesting bottles. And then when you have 20 people, that's about an ounce and a half each of each four. So we love that 50 or 100 or 200 people. But really, it's just kind of focusing on on the blind tasting, so that's why it's like that. And yeah, I mean the 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 barrels and stuff like that. It, it's just you kind of learn, right? Like you you I have everybody has their own favorite distilleries and bottlings and stuff like that. And really, Cleveland in in the Cleveland area, or really in the Ohio area, there's kind of in the Midwest area. Truthfully, is no one's really focused on a barrel program and uh you know sourcing good whiskey and making it available and like you said david it's one of my favorite parts about bourbon in general is just the barrels like really when you go on a barrel pick and you have three barrels in front of you or five whatever distiller you know sometimes it can be the wild west you can taste everything but most of the time it's three um when you taste those three barrels and taste the variances of it um that is one of the things that I wanted to bring to um, the Midwest here is showing that experience of really good Kentucky or, um, you know, wherever you want to, wherever it's from, from good distilleries, making that experience available to, to more of the masses. So that was kind of one of the crux, but also being able to totally nerd out and understanding the bourbon community as a whole is having some really cool and interesting barrels that would be widely available across the country. Sure. And I think my, my first uh, exposure to uh, River Roots was, it was, I'm not sure which one came first. It was either, it was both of them were about the seal box bottle, uh, the yeah. 146 proof. But I think it was either seeing the email slash text from seal box, or it was seeing um, that one dude, Ryan on Instagram, opening the bottle and being like, holy crap. <laughs> this is yeah. some good stuff and uh but even, i want to jump back even before that which was the launch mm-hmm. and you said it was launched with with michael simon uh doing a live um you know he's got the involvement of course and he brings a certain cachet with him both in the cleveland area but to a national audience as well yet uh, from everything i've i've seen uh website press releases all that it's very clearly at least to me not a celebrity whiskey brand at all. Like it's not Michael Simon's brand, you know, whiskey. It, it's River Roots, and he happens to be a contributor and a partner in it. So, um, yeah, I'll just throw that. Yeah, out there. no, that, that's that's a part of the conversation that we had uh, with the investors and Michael Simon is about like, hey, would it be beneficial to brand it as Michael Simon's and Based on my experience, I said, uh, some of the celebrity bourbons, as a, as a bourbon drinker, a whiskey drinker, my impression, and David, yours might be completely different, but this was mine at the time and why we didn't go with this is when a celebrity is attached to a brand, I'm already thinking lesser of it. Um, if it's, uh, you know, Michael Simon's bourbon, I was just like, okay. I mean, even though Michael Simon is a chef and obviously has a great palate. But even still, uh, the brand is is positioned in marketing from a celebrity perspective and not necessarily focused on the whiskey or the bourbon. So that's why we never 
labeled it Michael Simon or promoted it that way. Yes, he's doing barrel picks and we're putting a name on that. But the whole premise of the company is about just finding really good barrels of whiskey and not necessarily about using Michael Simon's name to, to promote the brand. Um, that is obviously important, but not the primary focus of it. So when you're thinking about this, when you're, you're kind of coming at it from a, like, I said, like we said, a whiskey and a spirits connoisseur nerd, mm -hmm. whichever term you want to use background. Yeah. Um, when let's dive into that business plan a little bit, you know, what was the intended audience that you were really looking for? Yeah. The, the intended audience was really people like you and me and all your listeners is kind of, you know, going towards that market around, uh, having a single barrel label. Um, actually, is there one here available? Yep. Um, and I'll kind of describe this to the people that are on the bot, uh, the podcast, but if you can see this, this is one of our, our prototypes. Um, Actually, they, our new label comes out in just a couple of weeks. But the idea is that when you do a barrel pick, um, you know, that barrel is yours. And why not have a lot more real estate on the label to make the label yours? I mean, the, you picked that whiskey, you paid for it. So why not have fun with the label too? And yes, you know, a lot of brands, you know, have a little spot where you can put your club name or your business name and stuff like that. And then yes, you can add the stickers and have fun that way. But the idea with, with this is that, um, you know, you could put the sided by in an area, which is pretty common. Then you have a large port of real estate where there's a graphic on the top where you can, you know, do whatever you want with. And then in the middle, you can name the barrel, put your logo there, whatever. So it, if not the most customizable or most space dedicated towards the customer, definitely in the top five in the, the bourbon community where you can really customize, um, customize the label. So yeah, that was kind of coming back to your question, David, about the idea it was, yes, it was focused on single barrel cast strength, give it to the nerds um, or the enthusiasts. I'm sorry. I call them, I call myself a nerd. So hopefully your audience doesn't, doesn't get offended to that, but you know, people like the geek out on whiskey. That was really the primary focus uh, of the, of the, of the company. As we've evolved and we only started in September as we evolved and more people are trying to taste it and love Michael Simon and just love the idea of the brand and especially it being from Cleveland areas understanding that 147 proof 13 now 14 year old bourbon or some of our five years 128 proof it's a little bit it's a little bit hot from the uh, average joes the entry level so now we're starting to play with small batches or, or blending and stuff like that um, which we can talk about later which has been a fun experience as well and the yeah i think that's a perfect point to, to jump into the product so far so like i said my first experience was uh, seeing the 146, 147 proof, uh, 13 year old, which I mean, I'm a, I'm a proof hound. So I, I, I yeah. admittedly missed the bottle, but I will try, I'm going to try to get a sample from someone. Uh, but the, so we can't, uh, we talked about this a little bit off air before we started, um, the exact companies we can't say cause of NDAs, but, um, what we can talk about, we can talk about you know, mash bills and, and, uh, where you were looking at as someone who wanted to start this company, um, for, you know, where you wanted to source from. 
So let's, right. I guess, start with, you know, that. Yeah, I wanted to, well, uh, we wanted to start off with um, a, some barrels of spirit that could really grab people's attention, especially, you know, the, the bourbon connoisseurs and, and really say like, hey, this isn't just your run of the mill um, NDP, like we're, you know, we're really trying to find really good stuff. So yes, one of the first barrels that we sourced we only could find four of them. I would have bought more if I could have, but four um, at the time, 13 year old Kentucky bourbon that was aged six years in port wine barrels. Um, so what does that mean exactly? So what happened is there was at that time, it was six or seven year old um, Kentucky bourbon that was then put into a, uh, a port wine barrel, which is 60 gallons and filled to the top. And then once that, that was then, you know, topped off and let sit for six years, um, in that port wine barrel. And then, so when we got them, it was, they, they these four barrels were our lowest one, 140 proof. Our highest one is 148 proof. And they're super, super dark from that port. And, in October, they actually turned 14. So it's now 14-year-old Kentucky bourbon aged seven years in port wine barrels. Sounds incredible. <laughs> uh, um, I'm salivating a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Uh, so when you're, when we're looking at, because obviously a whiskey nerd, we're going we're gonna to do that. And I think everyone who listens to this could qualify as a whiskey nerd. Um, we're, of course, going to look at, okay, 13 year old Kentucky bourbon. So that immediately knocks out a wide swath of, of potential. Uh, and then, you know, who's got space to, and ability to age for another six years in port and just have it sit there, which also I think knocks out a few more because, yeah, you know, you need those resources. Um, now I don't want to ask the next question. Um, <laughs> Were you able to source, uh, you know, directly from the distilleries, or did you still have to go through a barrel broker? Yeah, no, great question. This is this isn't this this. So the spirit uh, was obviously distilled by a uh, uh, distillery in Kentucky, but it didn't come from that distillery. Um, the whole when I when I reference, you know, having that that spirit that's that's at the time what was it, six or seven year old Kentucky bourbon and dumping it into um, the port wine barrel that was done from another distillery that sourced it from the original um, distillery, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. I gotcha. So it's like a, it's like a, it's a very interesting, it's a source from a source. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so even so even then you're looking let's keep going nerdy i mean you're looking at yeah 19 years no uh no so no, four, yeah no, 14 think, yeah yeah it's 14 it, it it it's it's kind of uh it, it's kind of confusing and i've had a conversation with people about this before but yes it is it is official it was seven-year-old bourbon when it was dumped seven years ago into that that port wine barrel so then it, it aged an additional seven years in that port wine barrel. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah. 
it's I, like I said, I'm I'm looking at the the products and I, I'm just like wanting to taste them all. Uh, the yeah. So that was the port bar finished. Uh, what can you tell us about the um, you know, type of port or what kind of flavors you get off of that? Yeah, that- um, the port, the the port. I mean, it's really interesting, and each barrel is different. And and honestly, we have all, all four barrels are accounted for right now. There's only that first one, um, but I'll tell you, Sealbach has one. Um, there's a group out in California that just selected the other one. And then we have the last one that we're keeping for ourselves. And the last one, uh, that we're keeping for ourselves is the one that's considerably much more off profile. Uh, it's the 140 proof one while the others are between 147 and 148. I would say the other three, um, they're hundred, they're 147, 148 proof, right? Like, so, I mean, the, the, they're hot. Um, some people and every person's different. And it's been super fascinating and fun to get people's uh, reviews and, and hear their tasting notes of it. Um, some think that it doesn't taste that. Um, I guess it all depends. And honestly, the barrels have been open a little bit. I think some air has helped kind of mellow, mellow out that proof a little. But I get a lot from these um, like this fudge chocolate brownie. Obviously, you kind of get like this bigger dark fruit um notes to it as well it's it's very sweet um very sweet on the palate the noses are incredible as well they kind of follow the palate as well um and then the finish obviously with that type of proof you get that old kentucky hug uh, pretty easily with these um the one that i was talking about that's one a little bit more off profile it has that but it also has like some funkiness to it if if any if you or any of your um listeners have ever had like an arm yak uh, where and it's, it's kind of, it kind of does make sense when you think about it, when that Armiac gets old and has kind of that funky grape kind of note to it that makes it interesting, almost has like a dusty funk to it. Uh, that's the one that we kept uh, that we thought was interesting. So, The Bar Cart Co-op is a group of five shows with something for everyone. First up is My Whiskey Den, hosted by Mike Lisak, Pat Bologna, and Mitch Weddle. Listen and watch live on Mondays at 9 for thoughts and discussions on craft spirits and, once in a while, some downright odd things. And yes, I'm talking about the cantaloupe liqueur that I can't believe could be good, yet I gotta admit, it's fantastic. Next up is Bourbon Turntable, hosted by Kevin Rose and Drew Crawley. Kevin and Drew are true lovers of both music and bourbon, and I got to join them to talk about my own whiskey and music journey back in March. It's still one of my favorite episodes I've ever been a part of, and it's a show that I listen to every single week. The next two are from a guy you may have heard of. After all, he's a two-time guest on the Whiskey Ring podcast. Mr. Alan Bishop, head alchemist at Spirits of French Lick and self-proclaimed reviver of the history of Indiana's Black Forest. Alan has two shows in the co-op, both of which are also weekly listens for me. The first one is Distiller's Talk with co-host Christy Atkinson. It's probably the nerdiest spirits podcast I know of, and that's including my own, and I absolutely love it. Some weeks you'll be talking and capturing wild yeast and long-gone ghost distilleries in the Black Forest region. Others you'll be hearing from some of the most exciting up-and-comers in the distilling, brewing, and overall spirits-producing industry. Most of these distilleries he's gone, I've never even heard of before the episode. But after listening, all I want to do is find out more and explore new ways of looking at spirits and all the nerdy stuff that I love about this industry. And last but certainly not least is Alan's other podcast, If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything, 
Exploring the paranormal side of Hoosier-occupied Kentucky, Alan intertwines his own experiences with stories about neighbors, colleagues, and local legends, and why you should never go into the forest alone at night. Part scary story, part homage to the rich history of Southern Indiana, this show comes straight from Alan's heart and soul. Take a listen or watch to any of these amazing shows, and thank you to the Barcar Co-op community for welcoming me. Join the community on Facebook, follow on Instagram and YouTube, and you'll have another show for every day of the week. That sounds sounds like something I would love. I, you know, big into Armagnac as well. Uh, working on an episode or two for the podcast right now to explain a little more about what Armagnac is. Um, it's it, for my money. It's it's the only place you can find. 40, 50, 60 year old spirits for, um, you know, less than a mortgage. So it, it sorry to interrupt you there. Yeah. It's amazing. So like exactly your thought process is why I got into Armiac probably about five years ago is like, I have some back here that are like 30 years old and stuff like that. And I was getting them for like a hundred dollars or $150. I mean, stuff like that on the bourbon mark. I mean, it'll be insane. Right. Um, and I think the leap, to Armiac, to, okay, you like bourbon. Then if you like bourbon and if you like Dusty's. And if you like Dusty's, then I feel like then you're ready for the Armiac because you can find, and it depends on where those Armiacs are coming from, but you can find a bourbon, you can find a bourbon kind of dusty notes in a lot of Armiacs, which makes it super fun to explore and getting some really, really interesting things for sure. Yeah. Uh I just love it. Uh, before I move on from the from the port bow finish, you said it was a, a different distillery that uh, was aging in, in the port or a different producer, mm-hmm. let's say. Um, was that second also in Kentucky? No, that one's not in Kentucky. So it aged it aged an additional six uh, six years out of Kentucky. Gotcha. Um, all right. So with that, the if you look on the uh, River Roots website currently, as we're talking, and this is late in 2023, episode should yep. come out within a couple of weeks, so um, should still be available. Uh, we have a couple of the um, quote unquote younger. I use younger like this is still yeah. five year year old uh, bourbon. So we've got the two single barrels uh, selected by Michael Simon and yep. the Founders Reserve Bourbon, the Dawn, right. So for um, someone, you know, who's looking at a new uh, NDP, mm-hmm. uh, new products on the market, uh, not necessarily on the shelf, but on on sites, on seal box, uh, how would you walk someone through like which products they want to try? And let, let's also assume for the purposes yeah. of this that um, your, you know, your full lineup is available because I know not everything is available yet. Right. Or something and some things are sold out too so but let's say everything's available how would you walk someone through them yeah um so and and by the time this well it'll be beating close but i would recommend your your followers your listeners to 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 follow uh the river river roots on instagram or watch on the website because there will be some other we have some barrels um other barrels outside of this five year in the and the now 14 year old port we have some other stuff coming out so I'll, I'll get into that let me kind of talk about what we have now and what's to come um so yes yeah, so we have a five-year kentucky bourbon uh and that was our first kind of big core purchase 
um, you know, as, as a whiskey drinker, um, five years. Yes. That is seems on the younger side. I was just, the most important thing to me was finding good tasting barrels and secondary was the marketability of it. Um, so I tasted a lot of stuff that was older, but honestly didn't taste as good as this five year. And so, you know, the mash bill being 70, 74% corn, um, I got, you know, usually from the distillery, I get a lo- lot of uh, like bubblegum um, type of notes to it. Uh, and truthfully, it's not my favorite Kentucky distillery from a profile perspective. But when I taste these particular barrels, it's like it at for five year, no youthful notes whatsoever out of any of the barrels that we had. And it it, it definitely didn't have the regular type of profile that I would get from this distillery. So, um, and they range from proof from around like 128. So I thought that this was a good uh, bottle to offer right out of the gate. As single barrels, cast strength, um, they, they're on the website for $84. Um, and yeah, so those are first ones and those are single barrels and Michael Simon ones. So they have, I think his dog on there is one of the selections and, uh, one of them has this, this like signature on it. Uh, so yeah, that's, that was, that's the first offering. It's the five-year Kentucky bourbon at cast rank single barrels. Um, also, uh, like I was saying earlier in this podcast is we started to realize that we needed stuff more for entry level drinkers that wanted to, to wanted to experience the brand and what we were after. Um, so, you know, I've always played around, uh, with doing blend stuff like that. And a, a lot of people in the industry, uh, Dixon, uh, Ryan and Kenny, there's all sorts of individuals that have been doing some great Ed Bly from back in the day. Well, he's coming up with the new things, uh, some people that have done a good job on blending. So, um, it was super duper fun more than I thought I would have fun with blending. Uh, it was great. So we currently have for $53 online, a five-year small batch, which we're calling our founders reserve for, for, for five-year age statement. Uh, it's 95 proof. I feel like it's a pretty, pretty good price, um, from an, uh, you know, non-producer. Um, and so what we did is we got these five-year bourbons started blending them. The really cool thing is like, when you started to taste individual barrels and putting them together, this first batch is only three barrels together. So you start playing with the, you know, blending different barrels together. And you're thinking like, how different could it really be? Like, how could these tastes, we were only using three barrels. Could they be that different? And they were, they were incredibly different. So the ones that we have is uh, still, uh, it's 95 proof. So it's, the, that was the main focus of make something that's more approachable to the common drinker, but also stands up to a bourbon drinker nerd like myself that could also drink it and enjoy it and not be like totally uh, uninterested in it. And with this blend is it has that cinnamon uh, kind of has that, that rye up front that kind of uh, works, but then also there's this very sweetness mid palate and on the finish uh, that people really, uh, enjoy. So, yeah. And in the future, so we're going to have more fun with this. This is our first batch and our first, we're, we're calling it, we're kind of using the, 
the bookers type of marketing is we're naming our batches. The first batch is called the dawn, the beginning, obviously, and has a little picture of a little sunset rising uh, or sunrise. Yeah. Um, but then the next batch that we make uh, will be completely different name and will be completely different blends of, of whiskeys. Um, so that will be fun. You know, we've toyed around the idea. Me and some of the owners love rum. So um, not just finishing bourbon and rum, but maybe also doing a blend of rum and bourbon together. Um, so anyways, hey, it's going to be fun. We're just kind of nerding out on this whole experience and we're kind of do batches about what seems cool and what tastes good. Um, so, and we're always going to try to keep the small batch, obviously, at a lower price point to, to, to make it more uh, digestible from a purchase perspective. I think that's definitely that smart. I mean, people are going to, I think nerds among us will, we're willing to pay the, you know, the 84, 85 for the single barrels. That's kind of, I think, I think you would agree. I hope you don't find me, find it offensive to say, I, I think that's within reasonable range, maybe a little bit higher, but not, you know, we're not talking 150 for five year. So, so it, right. it's not outside of the range. Bourbon prices are all going up. So I don't think that's really out of the realm, but for the small batch at 55, that to me is that's perfectly in range, you know, yeah. especially if you follow the $10 a year kind of scotch model, right. that's perfectly within range. Um, and it's not that far above like a, you know, I look at a seven year heaven Hill at bottle and bond. That's, you know, it's maybe it's $15 less, but that's also volume, you know, right. You bring the price down on volume. So on volume, I think again, still within reach and, um, for any listeners wondering, like, you know, why is he justifying the prices? I did not receive any kind of, you know, this is not a promotional thing. Like I'm, I'm genuinely interested in the company. So I didn't receive anything to say it. I just think in my personal view, these are, are very justifiable prices for things that are, especially for things that are rare. You look at the 140 plus proof, you find something for 140 plus proof. It's going to be around that price. That's just what things are. And uh, I'd rather enjoy it and find those products. And you know, if they're good products, I'll pay for them. So right, I want. I, I was. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Good. No, I would agree with you, especially on the the fourteen going to be fourteen year old. You know, I'm a consumer first. I the thought process that you and all the other listeners have is the same stuff that I think about as well. And when we develop, put these prices. Yes, as a business, we're not just, if we distilled this stuff, our margin, we can lower the price and get the margin that we want to, to just be a sustainable business. Um, but we need to kind of fit into what what's the threshold and where do we want to be price-wise. And in particular, it was a very interesting conversation about the 13, for, which is now 14, is there you try to like, okay, what's the market for it? There's nothing like it. Like, who the hell has a, a bourbon that was aged six, now seven years in a port wine barrel that's 148 proof? It's like non-existent. I wish, like I said in the beginning, I wish I had more than four barrels, but that's that's what it is. And I, when we originally launched it and the company just started, the sales were a little bit slow. But as people started to realize it and taste it, they're like, oh, shit. So they started to... Uh, uh, jump on it. So the the price that was actually 
we sold out of the port quicker than the the five-year uh, barrels that we had available. So that just kind of shows you the market for that type of stuff. Oh, yeah. By the time I came across it, it was long gone. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why I said I got to find someone who, yeah. who grabbed a bottle. Maybe um, we'll reach out to Ryan, see if he yeah. did that. Um, I'll do that before this podcast comes out so he doesn't get inundated. <laughs> um, so uh, one thing you said that is a possibility, but I wanted to uh, just pick up on it because it sounded really interesting was this idea of you know mixing spirits mixing categories so uh you know not to bring in another another company but it's more for comparison than anything else one of my favorite spirits that i tried in 2023 was the uh bakta 1928 mm. um it's a blend of of rye armagnac and calvados and i loved it it, it was it was delicious and I've become really interested in these kind of cross category blends because you really didn't, didn't see that. Maybe rarely you would see a cross country blend, like, you know, barrel did somewhere that have an Indiana and a can and a Canadian rye together. Um, but it, it was still pretty rare even to find cross country, let alone cross category. And that could be a huge market hole uh, to enter into. So I, I, I'm very curious yeah. to see if, if you go that way. Yeah. I mean, we've been playing around with it. You know, one of the things I a hundred percent agree with you, by the way, and um, it's why we're exploring it. One of the things that you kind of lose when you blend is you're no longer in the bourbon category. You're kind of in the, the blend of, I, I, it's been, a, I spoke to the TTB about what the, what the name you would have to be on the uh, label, but you're kind of go outside of that. Um, having like straight you know straight kentucky bourbon whiskey on the thing to a blend of blah blah blah, and then you start the marketability of it to the common joe that's looking at the the, the bottle you kind of lose them or you're not in the sections with all the other bourbons and things like that so those are things we're we're exploring now but um i don't think that will deter us and i think that's probably one of the best things about this company is the flexibility that we have we're not when we make these batches like i said our first batch was the three barrel right like hey if we use some rum and some bourbon and mix it together and use like a handful of barrels and takes a little bit you know we're not we're not we're not a big distiller that's using hundreds or thousands of barrels so we're going to do some experimenting for sure um so yeah that's kind of the fun of love it love it uh there have been well, let me ask you this question. When, if you would describe yourself and yourself being, you know, River Roots uh, yeah. as a company, do you kind of see yourself more as a, an NDP or an independent bottler? Hmm. Good question. Uh, well, I would say, I would say with the, now the blending, I would, uh, if you were to ask me originally, I would have said bottler. But now an NDP, I would say, because now we're starting to do, you know, more blending and making things. Because, hey, I understand, right? Like, we're, what what are we doing different from other people? Um, you know, we're sourcing whiskey and just bottling it. But now we're kind of um, making things our own with some blends and things like that. I guess creating our own identity with the Founders Reserve while still trying to find those good barrels of whiskey across the country. And, and looking to the future, I mean, you said right from the beginning that part of your 
business plan involved eventually uh, being both what you are right now, but also a distillery. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, you know, Tom, who's got those decades of brewing experience is going to be your distiller. Yeah. So uh, what does that look like for your next kind of steps to go into distilling your own product? Yeah. I mean, we already started to do it. Uh, we already started to, to make a rye um, and we'll start to actually barrel it or age it and stuff like that. But really right now it's kind of just experimenting about like what we taste good, what we want to do. Um, honestly, even though I'm not much of a clear spirits person, I do see the benefit from a business perspective of doing like a gin or a vodka and making it available in the state uh, of Ohio. Um so yeah, we're just kind of experimenting that and kind of letting that grow and see where we can find our, our little niche or something that we, we think would be interesting and make it more of our own while still doing these blends and these source single barrels. And actually, uh, I, David, I, so we spoke about the, the 14-year pour. We spoke about the five-year bourbon that's available now. But starting in January, um, there'll be two other... Um, spirits that will be available um we're going to have a nine-year kentucky bourbon uh available for purchase a single barrel cast strength and again kind of navigating those those price points um and trying to get people's interest by not having uh, that too crazy of a price we're actually having that around 90 dollars a bottle for the nine-year kentucky bourbon and um, it is not from the same distillery as the five-year. Uh, if anybody's interested, the, the mash bill is 78.5% corn. And if you looked it up, because I had to, um, hmm. about in 2020, there was this mysterious Kentucky mash bill that hit the market. Um, places like Old Soul and uh, Bull Run and stuff like that got uh, some 15-year-old of this. And uh, yeah, it's the same stuff, uh, but nine years old. It's around 118 proof, and it is delicious. I have had some uh, of that and, before, so I'm looking forward yeah, to yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, again, like this is just, I learned about this whiskey. It's not something that's readily available on the market. Uh, we got it at a good price point, which I was able to obviously, um, at, you know, a single barrel Kentucky bourbon from major distillery being available for 90 bucks from an NDP is, uh, I would say, pretty reasonable price. Um, and then also we have a uh, seven-year rye, 95.5, you know what that is. Uh, and those will be single barrel. I'm blanking out on the price. I think it's going to be $72 or $75 um, when it becomes available in January. So another pretty good price point for a seven-year, ninety-five-five uh, uh, single-barrel cast strength ride. Yeah, I think so as well. And I also see on the website you've got coming soon, Applejack and rum, as well. Yeah. So like I said, I'm working on the rum, uh, getting barrels of that. Uh, trying to do four square rum, but uh, we'll see if that's actually uh, actually possible. Hey, I can say that right. I haven't purchased anything, so. Um, yeah. but, uh, um, yeah, the Applejack is also something that's interesting. I have a friend that, uh, has some very old age cast strength Applejack. Sometimes it's finished in like maple barrels. 
not many people in the bourbon community have tasted it. Um, an Applejack, like a well-aged Applejack, especially when it's finished, um, it's almost like uh, like a dessert bourbon. Um, so if any of your listeners have kind of like that sweeter tooth, uh, man, those things can be really good. So experimenting about getting just a few barrels of that to expose um, expose the bourbon community to to that to that type of spirit. I'm a native New Yorker. Applejack is uh, very familiar. There so you go. Yeah, of here. Uh, so I wanted to um, ask to you about obviously you're you're called River Roots. All the people involved based in in Cleveland or have strong connections to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> are there plans to involve either Cleveland distilleries or or larger Ohio distilleries in some future projects? Um, yeah, I mean, we're definitely Cleveland based river roots, by the way, the name is the Cuyahoga river, which runs right through Cleveland. It, it, yes, it did light on fire in the seventies, but we're past that guys. We're past that. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, so that's why river roots is that connection between the river and, and all the owners. Um, but, uh, our partnership with other distilleries, you know what it's, I don't know. Uh, it all depends on the partnerships that we we've had a lot. Of, we've made a lot of partners with breweries right now. That as soon as we dump these barrels, we're giving them to uh, to breweries in, in the area, and they're aging stouts. Like already, like close to ten different breweries are using our barrels, which is cool marketing for us and really cool, you know, to experience. It's not not often in this area are you getting freshly dumped Kentucky bourbon barrels and being able to like immediately put uh, a beer in it. Um, but as it comes from like other distilleries in the state of Ohio, and if they'd ever want to collaborate or let us purchase some stuff, yeah, well, we'd have to see uh, what the barrels taste like, what you know they would want to do, how that partnership would look like. Um, it's again, it's all about like finding really good stuff. And the Applejack that I was talking about would be from uh, uh, Ohio Distiller, so um, that I know makes good stuff. But yeah, it's kind of just finding those opportunities and finding unique stuff that if I'm interested in, I know other people would be interested in. Uh, other consumer, bourbon consumers would be interested in. So as long as it tastes good, it's interesting, um, and it comes at a digestible price that I can pass on to the customers. That's kind of like the three main pillars, I guess. Fantastic. And I think it's a good way to, uh, to wrap up. I mean, this being the first, you know, long form interview you guys have done for, for river roots. I know there's a lot more information that will be coming in the next months, years, uh, to come. Uh, and you're always welcome on back to, uh, talk about some of those products. I would love to hear more when they come out about the Applejack, if you're able to secure some of that Foursquare. Um, or if you go totally off profile and go with the Jamaican, that could be interesting yeah. too. Uh, big, big rum fan as well. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know, when, uh, when that last port barrel becomes available, I'm going to do my best to grab one. If not, there's always more bourbon, but sometimes you want some bourbons more than the others. So we'll figure, <laughs> right. we'll figure that out. So Ryan, thanks so much for taking the time, introducing us to it's brand new. Uh, we'll call you an NDP. Cause I think that, I think you're right. You fit better as an NDP right now. Than a nip head bottler um, gives you more flexibility and more shows more range. I think of what you guys are really doing. So um, I've been super impressed so far, and yeah, we look forward to what's coming next. Cheers! I, I appreciate it, David, and, and thanks to all the listeners for listening in. Awesome. Well, with that, 
we will see y'all next week. Make sure to uh, like and subscribe. There will be in the show notes, as always, links to the social media. So you can follow, as Ryan said, River Roots on Instagram, on the website, so you don't miss a new review. Uh, sorry, a new release, I should say. And with that, yeah, we'll see you all next week. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, folks, thanks for listening to another episode of the Whiskering Podcast. If you like what you hear, please go ahead and click that subscribe, follow, or like button. Leave a rating and review on your podcast app of choice, and let me know what you want to hear. You can reach out to me through the podcast apps or email me at david at whiskeymywedderring.com with any suggestions or ideas for new show guests. You can also support the podcast at patreon.com slash whiskeyandmywedderingring. That's whiskey with an E for as little as a dollar a month. $5 a month gets you access to bonus content, including our soon to resume Under the Influencer series. And $25 a month means you join the Barrel Share Club. Each month, Barrel Share Club members get to try products sent to me for review, bottles from my own collection, and sometimes bottles that I just pick up because they're fun or interesting. Right now, only five spots remain in the Barrel Share Club, so grab your place today. Finally, please follow on Instagram. You can follow me at Whiskey My Wedding Ring or at Whiskey Ring Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Whiskey Ring. You can follow on Facebook at Whiskey My Wedding Ring or join the Facebook group, the Whiskey Ringers Group. And I hope to see you there. Cheers. Thank you for the support and see you next time.